The following discussion is not necessarily the views of all involved. The goal is to start open and honest discussion in the Christian worldview. Like all things, weigh what you hear with what you know and join us in our pursuit for the truth. Enjoy the podcast. I've never said something so arrogant on the podcast <laughs> is what I just said. Did you just bash our friends? Live? Oh, dude, I, I, every time they're not here, I'll roast <laughs> The truth is promoted, but dissenters are welcome. (laughs) Welcome to the Second Rate Saints podcast. Um, I am one of your hosts, Joel, and to my left is... Josh. And to his left is nobody. (laughs) It's just him and I. Yep. Um... How are you doing, Josh? I'm doing very well. That's, that's I'm sitting good. in a very blue, comfortable chair. Very squeaky, comfortable chair. Yeah, too, you so. might hear that on the radio. Oh man! If you hear it, then then I'm so sorry. If you don't hear it, then our editor, uh, we should give you a bonus this year. <laughs> we'll triple your payment. We we forgot to do our ceremonial WD forty, and we've committed to recording already. But that's that. Um, before we get into um, our discussion on Ruth and our What Have You Read, I'd like to bring to your attention the Second Rate Saints media. So uh, if, you, <laughs> if you'd like to see everything that we're doing online, um, then just go to secondratesaints.com. Um, if you'd like to follow up with any of our channels, we've got a YouTube channel, we've got Spotify, we've got Apple Podcasts. Um, the most unique thing you're going to find is probably some of the blog posts on secondratesaints.com, as well as some of our book reviews. So if uh, we talk about a book here and you can't quite remember it, or you'd like to um, see just a little summary of what we thought of it, um, go and check out our book review page. Um, And again, if you've got book suggestions for us, drop them in the comments, and uh, yeah, we'll see when we can get to them. Mm -hmm. Um, Josh, for our What Have You Read, we're doing, um, for the first time in Second Rate Saints history, um, we're actually revisiting a book. And that's because you read a book that I'd already read. Yeah. So that's one of the problems we had when we started doing um, What If You Reads is that sometimes if we talk about them before I get a chance to read them, I can't cover them again, right? <laughs> and I'll never be able to contribute to the conversation in the same True. way. But I started reading on your recommendation from this podcast, a book called Growing Young. Okay. From an author I can't remember the name of. What was I forget. I forget what it is too, but I, I didn't bring the copy Let's with me. Let's look it up. I mean, yeah, we could just look up. It's on your bookshelf right there. No, it's at it's the not? church. Oh, that's what oh. I, man, I'm I'm just about to move some of my books to, to the church I'm working at. And, uh. Ooh, by Powell, Cara, Mulder, Jake, and Griffin. Yeah, there's a ton of authors on it. And the reason for that is it's a very heavily, um, researched book. Uh, they take a lot of like, what was that? By Cara Powell. By Jake Mulder and Brad Griffin. Oh, so it's the, not a bunch of people? It's, it's just, three people. Uh, <laughs> I just three read people. each of their names individually. But there are tons of resources even within that. Lots of editing as well as um, mm-hmm. source documents and stuff. Because it very much has to do um, with a, like kind of the age crisis within church right now. Yeah, it's um, the, the what they call the hemorrhaging church, mm-hmm. which is right after youth ministry at the age of 18. Yeah. At the age when people are leaving organized community church yeah. and moving away to go to school. 
Mm-hmm. And so there's that double fact and there's a lot of other factors, but that's the, that's how you have to think about it. Yeah. Is when people are done basically high school mm-hmm. and then the church just stops having programs. Yeah. I mean, it, it feels a little bit like there's, there's a wrong way to think about that and a right way to think about it a little yeah. bit, right? Like if, if you think, oh, we have to get these systems in place because the factory of the church is not producing enough good Christians. Exactly. Right? It's not like they have to move to the next stage, but at the same time, there are people who long to be engaged on a deeper level and yeah. even at an, an older and more mature level. Yeah. Um, and we have yet to find a proper solution for that. And there are campus ministries and things like mm-hmm. that, that will, um, supplement that for a time. But even then what happens to those who don't go to college ministries or, um, yeah. you know, even come back from college, well, there's uh, oftentimes a struggle of faith that happens after that. Yeah. Well, and even if we do find a solution for that college age mm-hmm. group, the young adults, yeah. right. Post youth, slashing adults, um, then the problem just moves up a level. Yeah. But there is a deeper rooted problem there Yeah, the, at that level, which is, so you have the, they're done high school and they're done youth ministry. Mm-hmm. And then you also have their, most of them go away for college, a distancing. Yeah. The other problem is because in the West specifically, there is a rising issue of people not being able to afford housing yeah. And therefore move away from their parents yeah. physically. Mm-hmm. Um, not in relationship. I don't mean like far distance. I just mean yeah. it could be down the road. Mm-hmm. But there is a the a process called differentiation that is not occurring properly yeah. um, within youth, which is the process of differentiation is the process of an individual child yeah. forming an identity separate from their parents. Mm-hmm. And the way the human would do that would be to move away and get married. Yeah. And to own a house. And there's, there's certain factors that go into that. Yeah. And it's not the same in every location, but there's a grouping of factors that biologically trigger mm-hmm. differentiation physically. Yeah. When that thing cannot happen physically, i.e. getting married, moving out, yeah. buying your own house, get, having a successful job, and it, it comes, they differentiate ideologically. Yeah, so their opinions need to change so that they are mm-hmm. still rebellious, still yeah. uh, you know pushing away. Um, yeah, but at the same time, they're kind of a homesick rebel. You yes. know what I'm saying? Where yeah. they um, they seem to only want one thing, and that's to be away from home. But that's the one thing they can't do. It's yeah. it's super weird. And um, so they differentiate in ideology and in yeah. because they can't in identity. Mm-hmm. Um. And there's ways to mitigate that within the church. And yeah. that's kind of what Growing Young gets at, yeah. is how does the church affect this issue properly? Yeah. And how do we differentiate the young mm-hmm. and get the church to focus on that issue? Because they find that when churches focus on that issue, they do better. Yeah, and I, I think that that's, that's a kind of a return to form. Um, just because discipleship and even I would say mentorship, uh, how much mm-hmm. difference you see those two being is, is absolutely kind of kind of interesting. It'll it'll probably show a little bit of how you're going to feel about the book um, mm-hmm. if you think of discipleship as a as a mass thing and then mentorship as an individual yeah. aspect. Um, but one of the the first chapters, uh, I think it's actually the second chapter, but the first chapter is just explaining their methodology, um, which is actually super helpful in these types of books. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times you'll be reading things and it's like, that's a great opinion, but I have no idea what your sources are. So for them to like <laughs> front load a uh, 
borderline bibliography yeah. and then go through what their, their yeah. ideas well, come from is very interesting. Like even their, their study sizes and um, the different types of groups, the, the percentage of uh, even like the ethnicities of the different groups yeah. and the like the theological beliefs of the different groups and then political beliefs. And that like, it's, it's super interesting when you see it mapped in on a chart um, because in a lot of places they seem evenly dis- distributed, right? Mm-hmm. Distributed. Yeah, there we go. I said that yeah. word, right? Um, it's one of those words that always sounds okay. wrong when I say it. But. A, a portion of the internet that is our viewership will have grace on you. Yeah, but probably probably a couple will call me stupid again. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, Just don't a, read the comments. Anyways, I don't like reading the comments. <laughs> I had to actually give it up a little bit. <laughs> um, um, but there was one chapter in specific that you liked. Yeah, so um, the one on what's called keychain leadership. Mm, describe it. So um, it all comes from the analogy of like when you get the keys to your car, your first mm-hmm. car, right? Um, and how putting someone in, in ministry could be as simple as giving, you know, one of your youth leaders a key to the church. Yeah. And then what you're doing is you're giving them the responsibility that you had prior. Mm-hmm. But through give, the giving of that responsibility, you're only raising them up in leadership. You're not necessarily doing anything to yourself, right? Like yep. it's not like you're letting this responsibility go, but you're including somebody on your keychain, yes. right? You're making sure that the leaders you have are capable mm-hmm. um, because you can't have people on your keychain that aren't capable because you haven't given them anything to do. Absolutely. Right. You can, you can just have vanity keychains and that's cool. But if you can have people that are responsible, can be there on time, can do these different things, mm-hmm. um, then even that little bit of responsibility will give them, long-term, um, what's, what's the word? Purpose. Purpose. Yeah. It's, yeah. It would be giving them purpose in the church. Which is not just, which is one of the major ways in which you prevent this problem. Because when you give somebody purpose in the church, it becomes an identifying mark within their psychology Mm -hmm. as separate from their parents. Yeah. As separate from their family. Mm -hmm. Not saying family's bad or your relationship with your family's bad, but one of the problems that they also noticed is, you know, every church has those families where there's younger brothers and younger sisters mm-hmm. and they go, oh, you're, you're a Johnston. Yeah. Hey, hey, Johnston, get over. And they refer to you by your family name. Yeah. Right. That's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But what that is, does mean is that your family's identity is larger than yours. Yeah. And so when you do this, mm-hmm. when you say, hey, I'm going to give you the keys to the king to the kingdom, yeah. to the church, right? And then somebody goes, oh, who has the key to the church? Oh, John does. Yeah. Not, oh, Johnston does. Yeah. Right? So oh, I, I see what you mean. It's an, it's an immediate yeah. identifier mm-hmm. to the person as I'm doing something that my family's not. Yeah. Well, and it stops someone from just going to church. Yes. Right. And, and uh, yeah. yeah, no, I think it's a, a very useful thing. And there's... They describe a couple of different ways that can go wrong, too. Um, even the idea of just lending out keys. So you basically give them a little bit of power and then take it back. Mm-hmm. Right? So they're responsible for this one thing, but now it's done. Yeah. Right? It'll be like you're responsible for planning a youth night. Mm-hmm. And then they plan the youth night, and then they never get talked to again, essentially. Right? Yep. They're always just still... like, And it's... Um, I guess it'd be long obedience in the same direction kind of a thing, right? Yeah. Um, yep. That's a, I'm using so many pastoral tropes right now <laughs> describing this book. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. And there's, uh, I think they call that one key hoarding or something like that. Yep. Uh, there's, yep. there's a couple of, they're all very like analogy driven things, yep. but uh, I, I think that helps a lot of times when you think of church hierarchies. 
Um, yeah. And it, it's, it comes down to the, the responsibility given to the individual mm-hmm. needs to be an identity marker, not the identity of the individual. Yeah. So if you get given, you know, yeah, this guy owns the key to the kitchen. Yeah. Right. Well, now he's kitchen key guy. Mm-hmm. That's it. What do you do? Why are you in church? Oh, mm-hmm. I hold the key to the kitchen. Yeah. No, no, no. That's not the reason you're in the church. Yeah. Give the key to someone else. You're yeah. That's the thing. You're yeah. in the you're in there so you can let people into the kitchen. Yeah. Right. Like that's that. Yeah. yeah. No, Instead I of I have the responsibility of guarding the kitchen properly, mm-hmm. but I go to church because of Jesus. Yeah. Right. So like the responsibility should always be a, a an ank a chain in the link to the anchor, which is Christ. Mm-hmm. But sometimes people lose the yeah. chain of links. Now, I don't think they make the connection to the biggest key being Christ. Mm-hmm. I think it's a much more practical metaphor than than that. Yeah. Like they, they don't claim that uh, you should have a church theocracy kind no. of a thing, right? No. It's still very much like as a leader, you're responsible yeah. for this. Well, um, and the late Timothy Keller, mm-hmm. um, he presented this same idea in the one of the final episodes in the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast. Yeah. When he got interviewed, because he said the difference between him, who is the leader of a large church, mm-hmm. large churches, sorry, was, mm. um, sadly, the great Timothy Keller has passed. Um, but the comparative large mega church pastors around him, Mark Driscoll, the others, some of them went bad, mm-hmm. Stanley, you know, we all know them. Uh, they kept responsibility within themselves. Yeah. Whereas Timothy Keller, as his church grew, he diffused responsibility amongst the elders and the congregation. Yeah. Because that's what a good and healthy church does. Mm -hmm. As the church gets bigger, the pastor becomes less and less. Mm. Because the goal is that Christ becomes more and more in the John the Baptist sense. Yeah. If people are going to the church because Mark Driscoll's the pastor, Mm -hmm. they're not going to church because of Christ. Yeah. No, I, I see what you're saying there, yeah. Um. And so Timothy Keller would make sure that, and then when the church got big enough, they split the church into five churches, hmm. right? He says, I, it needs to go. Yeah, no, I, I, I get what you're saying. I yeah. just, uh, I don't know. I think there's a complexity to church hierarchies that you can definitely see through the Mars Hill podcast. Like we mm-hmm. could also have a whole Absolutely. thing. Maybe we should have just talked about the Mars Hill podcast. Now I'm thinking about that. Anyways, we could do that on another episode. We should do that. We should do a review yeah. of another podcast. That's a review of another situation. That's a review <laughs> of another book. This is getting very meta. Um, yeah, it's getting getting pretty meta. Um, but but I think we've I think we've chatted for a reasonable amount of time. Maybe too much time. Absolutely. Um, but it's just the two of us, so there's no. Caleb or Colton to slap our hands when we go too far with the subject. <laughs> True. So, uh, we kind of, you and I have the loosest like barriers to. Yeah. I feel like we, we fall onto some of the more abstract thinking. Yeah. Right. Um, we're, we're the most okay with change in the moment. I think so. Like now I feel like we could just continue this conversation just like this. <laughs> but we're not we going to, because we're going to talk about what we did last episode. Oh, okay. Fine. <laughs> Sorry. I have to, my, uh, Leadership brain has to take over now. Mm, fair enough. Um, I'm back on the keychain, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Joel, last episode we talked about Ruth wanted to, and in Ruth one we talked about the idea of there's a word play going on in both chapters, which mm-hmm. is turning away and yeah. turning back. Mm-hmm. Um, Elimelech and his family, Killian, Malon, his sons, and his yeah. wife Naomi go 
turn away to go to Moab. And then they turn back and come back to Israel. And there's, it's using redemption language, yeah. sin language of turning away from God mm-hmm. and redemption language of coming back. Yeah. Um, and also the turning away being associated with the death of the family and even yes. death of the provider. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you have, when they come back, there's an interesting, they, they leave, they turn away mm-hmm. because they lack provisions because of a famine. Yeah. And then they turn back to God because they realize as their husbands die, their providers are gone. Mm-hmm. So there's an, there's an interesting thing there. Provisions gone, yeah. providers gone. And then they come back and they find Boaz. Yeah. Um, and chapter two takes on that theme again. And what it does is it uses, Boaz says this one really good line. He says to Naomi, sorry, to Ruth, you need not go to any other field. Yeah. Right. Don't turn away. Yeah. Don't go to another field. Mm-hmm. And you think that's directly in reference to their um, tendency to go away in I the think, prior chapter? I think because he knew them, sure. I don't think it's intentional. Okay. I think it's I think it's literary. It's intentional by the author then. Yeah. Okay, yes. Or God, however you want to put that. God the author, yes. Yeah. 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 Um the <laughs> Joel, how dare you? Yeah. Um so <laughs> You've got that interesting. He says, you need not go to any other field. Stay here. There is more than you need here. Yeah. Right. And it's, there's a beautiful biblical image there of God, you know, mm-hmm. in the promised land, your, your cup, you know, will overflow yeah. with blessing, right? Milk and honey, blah, blah, blah. And you've got that image of they mm-hmm. go away and they come back and they realize, so to speak, in that higher up level of abstraction mm-hmm. of when we go away and we come back, mm-hmm. we realize how good it was. Yeah. We need not go to any other field. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's that constant turning back of redemption. And Yeah. Um, so there's a little bit of like restoration of the remnant stuff mm-hmm. going on. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I see that. And when she goes, when Naomi and the family go away and come back, they bring mm-hmm. a Gentile. And then yeah. Boaz tells this Gentile woman, mm-hmm. you need not go anywhere else. Yeah. This is all you need. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's that beautiful, like for us, who are Gentiles mm-hmm. um, and may not have believed our whole lives or for the audience member who has not believed their whole lives. Yeah. Or if there's any audience members that don't believe mm-hmm. God is saying, you need not go anywhere else. Yeah. Which is a beautiful, there are I other see. fields, mm-hmm. but they're not good. And and it's also cool too, because we, we see um, Abraham's fulfillment of you'll be a blessing to the nations yeah. um, pretty clearly in Christ's life. But Absolutely. it's also cool to see these Old Testament passages that mm-hmm. that kind of reinforce that that yep. uh, they were still God's chosen people. Their covenant was still not only valid but active, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, super interesting. It wasn't put on the back burner. Like there was restoration happening, yeah, even within in little moments. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, and and it also shows why the Old Testament is still relevant to us. Yeah, because those covenants that were represented yes. in Christ have been typologically um, shown throughout. Yep. Old Testament text, yeah, um, which is you know why you would preach Ruth, um, yeah, essentially in the same way you would preach Christ, absolutely, um, yeah, and that gets deepened mm-hmm. in the next two chapters, the last two chapters, for sure. Ruth is four chapters, <clears throat> and we accidentally divided this perfectly because it completely at the end of chapter two, the divide between chapter two and three mm-hmm. drops the turn away and turn back mm. wordplay. Okay. Completely. Okay. Let me ask you something then. Is there a chiastic structure? Structure. I don't think so. Oh. I think it's a dual parallelism. 
Okay. I'm joking. I have no idea what I just said. But um, you don't know what a dual parallel is. <laughs> no, I do. Dude, um, you're, you're casual, dude. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> so in the first two I've, chapters, I've, I've never said something so arrogant on the podcast. <laughs> is what I just said. Um, in the first two chapters, there's the turning away and coming back, and in the second two chapters, there is a wordplay with two words that have the same root. Okay. So it's the word gala, mm-hmm. which is to uncover. Yep. And the word ga'al, which is to recover. So cover is the root word. Yeah. Yeah. But it's 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 similar to the turning away and coming back, mm. but it's now to uncover and to recover. And those two mm-hmm. words are to take away and mm-hmm. to also redeem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like there's there's a bunch of definitions for each of the words, but like in their yeah. parallel, the way you want to think about it pictorially mm-hmm. is to uncover and to recover. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll see that depiction. Yeah. <clears throat> and there's two images. Yeah. In chapter three, I sense something is a foot. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Uh, true. Hey, there we go. Uh, and in chapter three, there is a going down, descending, mm-hmm. and in chapter four, it begins with a going up, ascending. Okay. So there's a there's a going down and a coming up. There's an uncovering and a recovering. Yeah. There's a very it's just a romance, but there's a lot going on. Yeah. I mean like with the symbolism here. Um anyways. So let's get into it. Ruth three opens up with this. Um Naomi, her mother in law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz a relative with whose young, uh, with whose young women are you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash therefore and anoint yourself and put on a cloak and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, "All that you say will, all that you say, I will do." I don't want to be too explicit. Yes. This is Naomi dolling Ruth up and putting her in the field for Boaz to see. That's what I think. Yes. Do you think that's that Naomi's like kind of using her daughter-in-law to like, hey, I'm going to get another provider? I don't think she's using her. Okay. Sorry, not using her. Um, no, I can't think of a different word for it. I I, I know it's not quite as uh, yeah. maybe... No, she's definitely incentivized to get Ruth yeah. to do it. But I also think that's because Ruth doesn't know, potentially. Mm. Um, she knows. She's been with Naomi for a long time. I should take that back. Yeah. What I mean is, I think Naomi is preparing her mm. for what what should happen. Yeah. Because Boaz has already presented an interest. Yeah. He's let her sit beside her and eat with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's eaten with her. Yeah. He's told her to come sit by me, mm-hmm. give her extra, yeah. right, for the good that she's done. Mm-hmm. There's already kind of like a level of intimacy there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And immediately. And <clears throat> Naomi has already told Ruth mm-hmm. that he's our guardian. He's our kinsman redeemer. Which doesn't seem to be true. Sorry? It doesn't seem to be true. Well, you could have more than one kinsman redeemer, as we will find yes, out. Yes, but they're in sequence. Yes. Okay. Yeah. He's up, uh, he's, he's on the list. Mm-hmm. Just like if the prince dies, yeah. the prince's brother yes. becomes king. So like, he is an heir, mm-hmm. so to speak, yeah. but he's not the first heir. 
That's like kind of how to think about it. Because just like if they, if a man has seven brothers, yeah, right. The first, the oldest one will mm-hmm. take it, but all the others are kinsmen redeemers. Yeah. They can that. take the inheritance. They can take their the brother's death. Yeah. 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 No, I, I understand that. Um, but you're right. I just, there, is there another reason you would put forward that Boaz is the one chosen by Naomi potentially by Naomi or um, is it completely happenstance? Uh, Bethlehem is a small town as it states. Um, okay. So it would be hard because my initial inclination would go, maybe she just doesn't know that the other guy's there. Mm-hmm. Um, and because when Ruth comes back, she's like, wait, it was Boaz. Mm. Boaz is here. He's our guardian. Redeem- like he's our guardian. So like she might not even know that the other guy's still around. However, it's a small okay. town. So that would be a problem with that. Um, but I think it's more of just, he, he specifically pointed her out. Mm-hmm. He's already initiated a relationship with her before Naomi even knew it was Boaz. Mm. So she's just going with who's present. Okay. Yeah. I think that's like, if I'm going to devoid it of mm-hmm. any like suspicion, mm-hmm. right? Cause, um, she, she's taken on this identity of being afflicted by God. Like, okay. Like she has said, God has done this to me. Mm. Right. So I don't think there's anything in her that is like, um, cause she didn't go to the man if she knew he was there in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. She simply went about her day as right. Yeah. She simply okay, moved back in to, to the Bethlehem without yeah. going to the man, okay. the other men. Yeah. Right. And then when Ruth came back and, Oh, you went to the field that Boaz is at. Oh, he's here. Mm-hmm. We should do something about that. Yeah. That's, um, that's interesting. Um, so. so no intention. Well, I guess intentionality on Naomi's part. Yeah. In but, some sense, but there is an intention in she's preparing her. Yeah. She's, she's, you know, when you, in today's day, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm translating about 3000 years of history here. Yeah. But I think this is the equivalent of <laughs> for when, dating culture, when you go on very a, difficult. Oh no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. It's very different. But when you go on a date, you dress your best. Yep. Yeah. Right. When you, when you're getting prepared to present yourself to the other individual as a worthy mate, mm-hmm. you present yourself in your best light. Yeah. So she, she bathes her, mm-hmm. gives her clothes, yep, and anoint and washes her with perfume. Mm-hmm. What's interesting is those three words: uh, bathe, put on perfume, and put on clothes. Mm-hmm. Is the imagery of a priest walking into the temple? <laughs> now, is that actually the the verbiage used? Yes, because oh, wow. the word for putting on perfume is anointing, hmm. and she puts on new clothes not the clothes that she's wearing, right? She puts on a different set of clothing, Mm -hmm. right? Which is the specification. You have to wear new clothes when you go into the temple as a priest. Um, And you have to wash yourself. Mm -hmm. You have to cleanse yourself and be anointed so you can go do the thing. Yeah. Um, So that's an interesting, there's also a redemptive language there. Later in Revelation, it talks about getting washed in the blood, putting on new clothes and being anointed. Yeah. Right. And so there's that, We've already talked about so the redemptive So there's like a ceremonial language. cleansing aspect too. Yeah. Which would be very important for um, Gentile believers. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So there's... So an- in her preparation to go into the whole... Or the... I shouldn't say holy land. The promised land. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the same ceremonial cleansing that would happen with the holy of holies or the courts. 
That's, yeah, and I think I think um, there's a there's imagery there. Is it that's what's happening? Maybe not, but there is the imagery there because it is mm-hmm. just a romance. She's getting ready to go on a date, like she's getting ready to yeah. go beat the guy, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, like that's what it is. Yeah, but is it using the imagery just like before it was using redemptive imagery? I think so. Yeah, there there's sense. a yeah yeah, and it gets further. Mm-hmm. So what's interesting is she says there's a parallel here. There's a few parallels between the two chapters. Mm-hmm. I will do everything you have told me to do, says Ruth to Naomi. Mm-hmm. Later on, Boaz. So now it's transferred from Naomi to Ruth as the main character. When it transfers from Ru- Ruth to Boaz, mm-hmm. it's signified by a line that says, I intend to do for you everything you propose. So okay. everything you do for me, everything you say for me to do, I will do. Okay. Everything you say for me to do, I will do. And then it transitions to yeah. the next character. So mm-hmm. we're in this. We were with Naomi telling Ruth. Yeah. And now Ruth says... I will do everything, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And it goes with, and it says, and so she went down to the threshing floor. Yeah. Um, meaning she goes to the place where Boaz is threshing wheat. Yeah. And he is scattering. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting language. Yeah. Because she descends mm-hmm. to the place where Boaz is scattering, which is judgment language, yeah. at the threshing floor, which is the place where God judges. So you think that, sorry, I shouldn't say you think, you're putting forth the idea that in God's judgment, he is redeeming Ruth. Like that, that Boaz in this way is, is kind of like sitting in the place where God sits, kind of. If like, we're jumping the gun, we'll get back to this later. Yeah. yeah that there is a, in the, Christ, in the New Testament sense, looking back on this, mm-hmm. there's a clear, in chapter three, there's a clear similarity here between the judgment of Christ mm-hmm. on the cross and you descending and dying with him going down mm-hmm. and being redeemed through that action. And there's clearly, clearly like the same Jonah kind of going mm-hmm. into the depths. Yeah. Going into Sheol and coming back. Mm-hmm. Right. And then do you think going into Sheol, going into the depths, you could even make this argument with the flood that that is always a, a, judgment or like almost like a weighing the day of judgment and the day of salvation are the same day (laughs) yeah fair enough like the the only difference is are you the sheep or the goat yeah right the day of destruction is the day of destruction for the goat well it's even in the prophets you see the terminology of the day of the lord being mm-hmm. a judgment for Israel, but also being a judgment for other nations, depending yeah. on what the context is. Yeah. Um, so it's more so when God's plan has come to pass, which would be her descending into the threshold as the beginning of God having what is come to pass. Yes. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's, it's, that's a cool... There, there's, a, there's, there's a meeting between her, this Gentile mm-hmm. who was coming to the land, mm-hmm. right, or the believer coming to Christ. And at that moment when this union begins is Mm -hmm. when, right, the righteousness Mm -hmm. is imputed onto the individual through justification, whatever. But again, it's (laughs) just Ruth going to a guy that she works for. (laughs) So then there's another question I have is, Mm -hmm. and maybe I'm asking too many questions and not like... No, it's good. Contributing as much to the dialogue, but I wonder to what degree can you read... Um, Ruth in levels of abstraction, right? Like how far is too far? Because we can't say Mm -hmm. one-to-one 
Boaz is God and Ruth is the church. No, because it's it, not quite that type of metaphor. No, what it would be to Caleb's point in the first episode in the Old Testament sense, this yeah. is God choosing His people. This okay. is God choosing the Israelites in Exodus, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, at the threshing floor at Exodus, they He scatters, mm-hmm. right? Pulls Israel out mm-hmm. and chooses her to be married yeah. to Him, and that's what happens in this episode. Is He takes this woman, right? This this people. And yep. redeems her, mm-hmm. redeems Israel. He is Israel's redeemer. And it yeah. uses that same language. Uh, but we have to get further to get into that language. Okay. Yeah. So what ends up happening is she goes in. Boaz, I'm just going to read it out because it's, you kind of have to read it out to see it. So, and so she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came aloft softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over me, or uh, cover me with the end of your garment, or marry me, is some translation, over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first in that you have none. You have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you have asked for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I am a redeemer. Yet there is a redeemer nearer than I remain tonight. And in the morning, if he will redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. Um, so before we end off chapter three, there's a lot to uncover there. Mm-hmm. She uncovers his feet. Yeah, That's where we start to see the word galah. Okay. So there's an uncovering. She uncovers his feet. That word is interesting because mm-hmm. in first Samuel four twenty two, that's the word for the glory has departed from Israel. Or wait a second. Yeah. Okay. Or the Lord told Samuel mm-hmm. or in first Samuel three twenty one, the Lord has revealed himself to yeah. Samuel. Mm-hmm. So there is a, think of it pictorially, the, the glory which rests on Israel mm-hmm. has departed. Yeah. It's uncovered. It's yeah. come off mm-hmm. the, the Lord told. So the, when God reveals himself to you, yeah. right. Revelation, mm-hmm. the word, he is lifting the fog that is over our eyes. Mm-hmm. allowing you to see what yeah. is real. Or when he speaks to you, when he tells you something, he lifts off the confusion. Yeah. Um, and that's like the, the Hebrew sense of to uncover Galah. Yeah. Um, very interesting. It's just a picture. She's just uncovering his feet. Yeah. Or is she? We'll get to that in a bit. So I, what do you think, Joel? I, I am not familiar with the kind of linguistic arguments mm-hmm. for it. Yep. Do you want me to get into it? You could, I don't know, I've, I've read at a couple places um, that it is a metaphor for some type of seduction. It's not the only one in the passage. Okay. So, um, so in the chapter, she goes down to the threshing floor. Uh, he went to lie down. Lie down is often used to describe uh, like sexual relations. When yeah. you lie down with someone, you blah, blah, blah. It's an innuendo. 
Um, also, when uh, she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down, mm-hmm. right? You see that again, yeah. right? Uh, in the middle of the night, the man startled, turned her over, turned over. Um, who are you? I am Ruth. The other implication is somebody, some people try to say because he was drunk, mm-hmm. that's why he doesn't know her. Yeah. Because she's, he's mm-hmm. lost in the Oh, is drunkenness. there a parallel there with Lot or do you not think so? I don't think so. Because she's a Moabite. So it, it would, mm-hmm. like the relation. Would there be, is that idea. There could be like redemption aspect there, yeah. but I, I don't know. There is that. But um, who is this that lays at my feet, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the spread your wing over me is... It's also marry me, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. Um, and then you also have, oh, where's the last one? There's one more. Remain tonight means to dwell. Remain is that same word he uses earlier. Yeah. So in his, so in chapter two, there was the remain here. You yeah. need not go anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Right. And he's saying, remain with me, which is an interesting remain tonight. Um, so, there's those, those two innuendos, right? Oh, and then uh, Naomi says, do not let him know that you are there, mm-hmm. right? Uh, no, again, that's the yeah. same word for when Adam knew his wife or later when Boaz knew Ruth and they had a kid. Mm. There's, the, there's a sexual innuendo there. Yeah, It's laden with sexual innuendos in this moment. Okay. However, for you, does that propose an issue on the text like the the the, not the text does does the idea of them having premarital sex whatever Mm -hmm. in this moment yeah does that cause a problem for you in the the interpretation of the event so there's like a couple of different ways it can go is like it would be a little different if he had asked for her hand in marriage, mm-hmm. but it's already his responsibility to be married to her. Yeah. Um, the argument you could make there is it's showing kind of the the chivalry of Boaz when mm-hmm. he says like, "I ah, maybe wait until I ask your next king, Kingsman Redeemer yeah. and just just lay there and and, yep. and uh, we'll see in the morning." Kind of a thing. Um, so I don't think it really brings up as much of a moral issue as a lot of times people say. Yep. Um, and I don't think uh, kind of the marital customs of the time are read onto that text as much as they should be. Yeah. Um, here's, here's one more line. Uh, she, he says, so she lay at his feet until the morning, but arose before one could recognize another. And he said, let it, let it not be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, and then she takes, she, he gives her food to take home. Um, yeah. I don't know. It will, I would think if it didn't occur that way, that there wasn't any kind of, like, it wasn't a euphemism in the Mm -hmm. way that they're speaking there. I still think that Ruth's intention may have been, um, to seduce Boaz in that way. Yep. Um, even if it was already taking the inheritance that was hers kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's something to kind of struggle with. I, I wrote a paper on marriage not too long ago yep. um, for a history of Christianity course that I was taking. And um, 
I got really into kind of why we do marriage the way we do because I've only I've recently been married. If you didn't yeah. know that, Josh. Yes, yes, you have been. <laughs> You're very familiar uh, with that. I, I, you officiated. It was yeah, yeah, it was I did. Cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're like, I don't know if I could say that. For it's both like, of us, it was our first marriage. Great way to make it about you, man. Okay, yeah, for know. both of us, it was our first marriage. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so me and Josh got married. No. Uh, <laughs> anyways, um, and just seeing how connected our marital mm-hmm. customs are to our culture. Um, it is something that's largely informed by the culture, but it's also something we're commanded to maintain through scripture. Um, yeah. right. That a, a man is to, to, to leave and cleave as mm-hmm. a were, right? Yep. Um, so it's, it's definitely something to think about and to think about the reasons why, uh, marriage is important to us now. Um, cause again, if it's not before God, if it's not according to, um, an oath made, well, in front of God, essentially, then, uh, you know, it doesn't have the same staying power, you know? Anyways, that's just my thoughts on, uh, you know, what Ruth says about marriage. I don't know if that's worth anything, but it's interesting to me. Yeah. Um, dead air. The, that, <laughs> you're right. So <laughs> here's the thing. I don't think... I'm fine with it. Them people always bring that up. Whenever you talk about Ruth, I my <laughs> one fear is that this topic always overshadows the message of the book. Mm. Whenever Ruth gets brought up, the discussion. So they have sex when they said uh, she uncovered his feet. Yeah, the foot metaphor is super weird, though. Right. So that's quite absolutely. Bad. Yeah. However, I think there's a bet. I think that overshadows what's actually happening. Yeah. Not that that's not what's happening. It very well be might be that they're having sex. I well, don't we've, think... we've really gone away from euphemisms. <laughs> like, yeah, it's probably sex. No, no, no. I think I think it's possible. Yeah. Um. I I tend to lean that they didn't mm. because of his intention to say specifically, let it be known, known. Yeah. Right. That same yeah. sexual innuendo. Let it be known that a woman did not mm-hmm. come, like, stay in the threshing floor. Yeah. Um. He's intent on keeping her as good mm-hmm. he he presents how kind she was mm-hmm. and that word kindness is hesed the loving mm-hmm. kindness of god yeah right mm-hmm. uh i think what reigns supreme here is the intimacy that she desires in him and he desires in her yeah and they he makes a promise um that he will marry her yeah right um but on the condition that she won't be taken care of somewhere yeah. else Exactly. And, but he wants to honor this promise mm. lawfully. Yeah. Right. He, what's interesting there is you see an image of Barak. He will redeem her by obeying the law. And when you say Barak, sorry, Barak, uh, um, um, it Boaz is will redeem her by obeying the law. Yeah. Christ will redeem us by obeying the law. Right. There's there's an image to it. And yeah. the relationship between Israel and Could you say fulfilling the law or do you think they'd be going too far? Sure. Yeah. But I just think like in the, the that Christ was obedient to the law yeah. and saved us. Right. Mm-hmm. In the same way Boaz was obedient to the law and saved her. Yeah. And redeemed her. Mm-hmm. Right. And as God as Israel's redeemer, it's often using marriage imagery. Mm-hmm. And so you see that here. Yeah. Right. If we're going with this whole idea of you descend down with Christ, with God to the, th- the place of judgment. Right. Yeah. And then you marry Christ yeah. that, that we are the bride. He is the bridegroom. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Then this image makes sense. 
they're going to get married. It's intimate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it gets lost in the, yeah. did they have sex? <laughs> okay. So <laughs> like, your, your issue is not whether it happened or whether it didn't. It is yeah. simply don't make a big deal out of it. If the author didn't make a big deal out of it, if, if the scripture itself if if, um, if they did have sex, then the symbol would be that it's scandalous the same way that it's scandalous that Christ became a human and died for the for sinners. Like okay. there, there's that that's a weird one. There's yeah. that relationship between scandal and that yeah. there's a relationship between scandal and God's mm-hmm. redemption. Yeah. But again, I there is scandal here because she is present. She's sleeping mm-hmm. next to a man. Yeah. Don't do that. I don't think we have to increase the scandal to, mm-hmm. especially when he's trying to say that she's an obedient person and he wants to obey the law. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, Fair that deals with that. But there is a, there's some words there. So she wants him to marry her. That word, spread your wings. Yeah. Right. Is all, which means uh, to marry, but also over. Yeah. Over me. Spread your wings over me. Yeah. Um, and that same word is used, that same, this whole same image mm-hmm. is used in Ezekiel 16, verse 8 to 10. Is that in the shadow of your wings? Yes. Yeah. Similar. Similar. Yeah. So it's, it goes like this. So God is talking about his relationship with Israel. He says, Later I passed by, and when I looked at you and saw that you were old enough for love, I spread the corner of my garment over you mm-hmm. and covered your naked body. I gave you my solemn oath and entered into covenant with you. Mm. Marry me. Enter into covenant with me. And he promises that he will enter into covenant with Ruth. Yeah. Right? Declared the sovereign Lord. And you became mine. Then I bathed you in water, washed the blood off you, anointed you with fragrant oil, and dressed you in embroidered garlic clothing. And put fine linen sandals on your feet. Embroidered garlic? (laughs) Embroidered clothing. (laughs) I was about to say garment. I think I said garlic. (laughs) Yeah, but enough. that word for garment, yeah, I will spread my garment over you. Mm-hmm. It's also wing, yeah, just like in the ESV translation I said here. Hmm. Spread your wing over me, yeah, right. In in this passage, in God's relationship with Israel, yeah. the all the same hits are like all the same notes are hit. Yeah, she's washed, she's mm-hmm. anointed, she's put on new clothes. Yeah, she's she well, uncovers it's, his it's feet. It's imagery in the Psalms as well, right? absolutely, like, uh, in the comfort of his wings. Kind yeah, of thing. yeah, absolutely, right, yeah. and so. There's again, there's, she uncovers his feet. Mm-hmm. She goes down and she, there's an uncovering, a revealing of yeah. Barak, of Boaz. Yeah. Right. Think about that. A descending down to the place of judgment and yeah. Boaz is revealed. Yeah. Right. Christ is revealed mm-hmm. when he comes down to earth, when yeah. he descends. Mm-hmm. Right. And then. Yeah. There's something, there's some kind of legal metaphor going on there, but I can't figure it out. Comes later. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So. And then she all, that same root word Mm -hmm. to cover or uncover, over, right? Uh, Cover me. Yeah. Right? And he says that, um, she says, all me, cover me, Mm -hmm. for you are my redeemer. Mm -hmm. Cover me uh, all, for you are my gut all. It's a a pun. All over me. All me. Yeah. For you are my gut all. Okay, you're going to have to say that in all English instead yeah, of so, English and Hebrew. So what she's saying is, what he's, what she's saying is, cover me. Yeah. For you are my redeemer, which is recoverer. Mm. Right? Yes. You are all me. Yeah. The root word of gut all. Mm-hmm. For you are my gut all. The one who covers. That's really cool. 
right? That's a cool pun. Marry me for yeah. you are my redeemer. Yeah. Cover me for you are my recoverer. Mm. Yeah. Right? She went away and she's come back and he's saying dwell. Mm-hmm. She's, she's open. She's not covered. Cover me for you are my coverer. Yeah. This is the redeem me for you are my redeemer. Yeah. Um, beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, and so she goes, he, uh, promises I will do for you what you have asked. Mm -hmm. I promise to do for you what you have asked, which is the same thing she says to, which is a parallel with what she says to Naomi. I will do everything that you have commanded me. Mm -hmm. Right. And then it swaps to Boaz. Um, and it says this, uh, now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. That word. So is that kind of ascend? It's ascend. Yeah. Okay. So it's, see, I'm starting to catch the, yeah. kind of the ideas of so, the ups and downs of Ruth. Yeah. yeah. And what happens is Boaz is a man, though he's in love, mm-hmm. is a man of honor. Yeah. And he knows that there's a man, as he said, that is first in line. But Boaz is also smart. And he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't show that he's a, like actually a valuable member of society. Well, not just that. He leaves it out. Yeah. Right? He kind of intentionally, he's obedient to the law, mm-hmm. but he plays within its limits. Know your limits, play within them. Yes. Right? Yeah. Um, and so what he says, so is Allah, go up, mm-hmm. ascend, right? Mm-hmm. But as ascends, what's interesting is after Christ goes down, mm-hmm. right, uh, and descends to the earth, to the place of judgment, mm-hmm. Christ then ascends to the heavens. Yep. The Son of Man ascends to the heavens mm-hmm. and is given the kingdom. Yeah. His bride, mm-hmm. right? Boaz des- went was at the low place where mm-hmm. she is. She descends to meet him and is revealed who he is, right? Yep. And then he ascends to the court of the elders and gets Ruth. He gets his kingdom. Yeah. So the word here, galah and gaal mm-hmm. are used in the same way, but they translate differently. So okay. Boaz says to the man, turn aside, friend, sit down here. This is what he says to mm-hmm. the other guy. And then he looks and then he turned aside and sat down and he took 10 men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat him down. Then he said to the redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab is selling a parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of these sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not tell me, that I may know for there is no one beside you to redeem it. And I come after you. And so the man says, I will redeem it. Darn. Hmm. But then Boaz says, the day you buy the field from the land of Naomi, you will also require Ruth, the Moabite, the widow of the dead in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Then the redeemer said, I cannot redeem it. For myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Mm-hmm. Take my right of redemption for yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Hmm. And 
the reason why he says I cannot take it yeah. is because he doesn't actually get the land in doing it. Oh, yeah, because it would go to... Ruth's so he son. would be purchasing it yeah. at a loss mm-hmm. because then he would have to have a kid with Ruth yeah. and then her son mm-hmm. would get the land. Yeah. So there's no benefit to him having it. There's no benefit to him having it. Hmm. He doesn't... He's like, oh, I don't want it. Yeah. Doesn't benefit me. Yeah. And it could even mess up what he has to give to his inheritance himself. Yeah. And hmm. he specifies that Ruth is a Moabite. Yeah, he's definitely like, ah, you you got to marry her too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she's a Moabite. Sneaky. He's sneaky, I think. Yeah. But he intentionally leaves that out first. Hey, yeah. you want this land? It's yours. Yeah. You're first, right? Yeah. I'm, he's showing that he's a good man. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Hey, look at me. I'm a good man. This is your land first. I want to buy it, mm-hmm. but you have the first right, and yeah. I want to go to you first in front of all these people, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Take the land. It's yours. And he's like, okay, yeah, I'll take it. Oh, but you're gonna have to marry the Moabite. Mm. Ah, darn it. I don't want it now. Yeah. I mean, I would love to, to kind of look into um, what the legal procedures would have been. Mm-hmm. Like who, who would have gotten that land had no one redeemed it kind of a thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it does feel a little bit like he's gaming the system a little bit. Um, I think he is. I, yeah, well, I think there's something about him keeping his word yeah. to Ruth um, that he would go and, and honestly try to... Well, I think there's a similar, so to speak, game of the system mm-hmm. with Christ. Okay. Um, Satan... Are you just going to go full ransom theory right now? No, no, no. no? Satan gets to bite the heel mm. of the seed. Yeah. He gets what he wants yeah. by the land. Okay, yeah, I will. Oh, sorry. And then it goes into that, like, the same moment of the biting of the heel is the same moment of the crushing of the head. Yeah. Right, yeah, okay. Right, I of the, yeah, yeah, you get what you want. You get to kill the the, mm-hmm. the seed. Yeah. You get to do it. You can strike all you want, but you will die. <laughs> yeah, right. but but this is also your demise. Yeah. Right? And, mm-hmm. but this guy backs out. Yeah. No, I don't want it. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll take it then. Yeah. Well, then, in this in this case, what is Ruth's demise? Um. Th- so, it that would that would be where the analogy breaks. Mm-hmm. That'd be where the symbolism breaks. But okay. what she does happen is she gets to marry, mm-hmm. right? She's now an Israelite. Yeah. Um. But what's interesting? So the galah and the gaal, the uncovering yeah. and the recovering, yeah. right? Where is that there? Well, Boaz says that Boaz says I must legally disclose. Mm-hmm. That's the same word, gala, uncover. Legally uncover, yeah. I must, I must present to you, yeah. I must unobscure mm-hmm. this legal proceeding that is that I know about that you don't. Yeah. I must reveal it to you. Mm-hmm. And then the gaal theme is if you do not want to redeem it, if you want to redeem it, then redeem it. If you do not want to redeem it, I will redeem it. Mm-hmm. I will redeem what I have the right to redeem. You have the right to redeem it first. But yeah. there's the, that word is repeated over and over and over again. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so there's that, there's that parallel there of the uncovering and the recovering. Okay. I will recover if you do not want to recover. Um, do you think the, the book sections um, disconnect based off of the repetition of uncover, recover, uncover, recover? Um, like, well. Because I'm actually going to ask if it's progressive parallelism, right? That the first turning away and turning back 
and then it's the covering or uncovering and covering, recovering, uncovering, yeah. covering, uncovering until it because progressive parallelism would be the repetition of the same theme yeah. over and over to where it swells at the very end, Absolutely. and then you can compare the ending to the beginning. Yeah, and it's essentially like it happens in Daniel. It's, I think I've talked yeah. about it on the episode before, but uh, oh, absolutely. But um, and that might be from what I saw though. It seems to be the the turning away mm-hmm. is uh, negative. Okay. The uncovering is not because okay. it's a revelation. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing coming to a better knowledge, right? The Boaz is revealed yeah. to her. The intimacy is increased. Yeah. Right. The the law, the legal proceeding is I must disclose this to you. It yeah. is a good thing. Um, I'm giving you a knowledge that you did not have. Um, there is no in the uncovering, it's a bad thing mm. going away. Yeah. Um but there is a descend and ascend. Like yeah. there there is a give and take yeah. in all of these images. Mm-hmm. A descend and ascend, mm-hmm. a Recover, uncover and recover, mm-hmm. uh, turning away and turning back. Uh, but, and so there, there is that. Yep. But I don't know if, yeah. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. I don't, I don't think it's a mounting theme. I yeah. I think they might be just a theme. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, no, like, absolutely. Um, Because there doesn't seem to be... Um, like the ending doesn't seem to be greater than the beginning, essentially, mm-hmm. right? Like in in scale, yeah. Um, it just seems to be. Well, it does culminate in this. Okay. So, Ruth four nine to ten, Boaz says this. Then Boaz said to the leaders and all the people, "You are witnesses today that I have acquired from Naomi all that belongs to Elimelech, Kilian, and Malon. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, the wife of Malon, as my wife." to raise up a descendant who will inherit his property so that the name of the deceased might not be dis- might not disappear from among his relatives and from his village. You are witnesses today. Right? So you are witnesses today. And then it ends with you are witnesses today. Mm. So this is, this is a, there's brackets on this statement yeah. and what's inside is very important. Yeah. Um, now, if we take apart all those images, right? So he's saying this before everybody. So he's, he's mm-hmm. in, so to speak, the court yeah. of, uh, in front of the elders, right? He's ascended after the judgment, yeah. right? Of taking on the wife, mm-hmm. right? Now he's going to the court above. So there's that, there's that image of Christ going down, becoming a man, yeah. dying and uniting himself with humanity and then going up, yeah, right? that union of human and God or Boaz and Ruth, and then now going up and being given the kingdom. Mm. Right. And when he goes up, he intercedes on our behalf. Yeah. Right. Well, I I think you can see that um, reflected. uh, What verse is it? Oh man, I just looked at it and now I can't even find the verse (laughs) number. Oh, in verse 11, when he says that they become like Rachel and Leah who together built up the house of Israel. Yes. Right. That now, the foundation that Israel is yeah. built up on is Ruth, which becomes very apparent when you look yeah. at the ending of the book. But yeah. So what's interesting is I found this out. So I have acquired mm-hmm. that word is also purchased. Interesting. So I have purchased Naomi and all that belong to her. Mm-hmm. I have purchased all that belongs to Naomi. Yeah. I have also purchased Ruth, the Moabite. Hmm. So 
the, the is purchased actually a good translation or is acquired a better translation? Um, acquired would be the better translation. Yeah. In that, but like purchase, like acquiring something in that sense is in that possession. Yeah. It is now mine. It's transactional. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, this is not necessarily equating uh, kind of the whole household to money. It's no, something no, no, no. different. And it's not saying that she's purchasable. Yeah. But in ransom language, it is. Yeah. Right? He's he's bought her. <laughs> Who's bought us? Yeah. With his blood? Christ. Yes. Right? That same language is used. Yep. He has acquired us. He's he's give, got given his kingdom by the elders yeah. or by God, right? In this case. In this case, it's elders. Christ case, it's God. Mm-hmm. The judges, right? Um, and he, Ruth the Moabite is now his wife. Right? The same way that we are now Christ's bride. Yeah. Right? Um, but also, he says, as my wife to raise up a descendant. Hmm. This is interesting. Uh, I, found, I found this out. I was shocked by this. Okay. And I think that this is a very interesting look back on the text, but also a forward call to mm-hmm. um, resurrection language. Okay. Because Naomi getting a son is resurrection language in biblical theology, in yes. biblical theologies of resurrection. Yes. Um, because word, birth and resurrection are closely associated. Yeah. Yeah. What's interesting is descendant and deceased in Hebrew mm-hmm. are rooted by the same word. Hmm. To die. Hmm. And I was mutt. Why? I was like, yeah. uh, what? What? Think about it this way. If you were to describe a dead one, you would describe them as someone who is not alive. Yeah. What do you also describe somebody that is not born yet? I guess so. They're not alive. Hmm. So it's the same root word. Yeah. A not alive one. But just behind you and before you. That's pretty weird. But I mean, Hebrew gets weird with uh, exactly. chronology anyways. Exactly. Yeah. But that, that same root word, right? Yeah. So, so I am, uh, I have acquired Ruth the Moabite, the wife of Malon, as my wife to raise up a, to, or yeah, to raise up a not alive one mm-hmm. who will inherit his property. So the name of the not alive one might not disappear from among his relatives. Mm. The word disappear is also cut off. Yeah. So if, if you, if you use the alternate or the, the symbolic definitions of each of these words, right, you get something like this. You have witnessed yeah. right today. I have redeemed a not alive one. And will raise up that not alive one so that the not alive one may not be cut off from the people and the city. I think I think I get what you're saying. It's it's definitely a, a bit of a mind game, though. It is because yeah. it's using the symbolism. It's not the way we think of families. No, no. But what it in your case as yeah. a Christian, yeah. right? We are considered dead in our sins, mm. right? And Christ was raised up. Yeah. God raised up Christ so that his, the ones unified with him, mm-hmm. the other dead people. So because he has resurrected that family line, he continues to resurrect in the future. Yeah. Is that the idea? Well, the idea is, is that we are called the kingdom of God. The mm-hmm. kingdom of God is called the bride of God. 
The bride of Christ. The bride of Christ, yeah. Right? And so by by purchasing us, mm-hmm. right? I have purchased Ruth, mm-hmm. right? The bride of Christ, the who whose descendants are yeah. dead, mm-hmm. right? Who is a dead one. And I will raise them up. Right, that that the word "raise up" throughout all of the Old Testament is used to describe resurrection. Yeah, I will raise up the dead. Right, so I will raise this dead person up that I have purchased, Mm -hmm. and I will raise them up so that they might not be cut off, exiled, yeah, removed Mm -hmm. from the people of and the kingdom. Okay. So you're saying there is something eschatological to Ruth? Because look at where he is. Yeah. Boaz is in the court where he acquires the kingdom. He descended, mm-hmm. was revealed. There's a lot of complexity to your Christ's imagery in this. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It's what I'm saying is that it's not there. <laughs> the, oh, okay. To the reader, to the audience. Okay. This yeah. is not there. This is to this the original is, audience. Yeah. This yes. is God going to Israel, mm-hmm. revealing himself yeah. through the law. Mm-hmm. And as Caleb said, mm-hmm. in the Old Testament sense, this is God revealing himself to the Israelites, yeah. choosing a people, purchasing them from e- at the uh, Egyptians, yep. right? And making them a nation from nothing, right? That's the symbol that's going on there. Mm-hmm. Oh, so if they're referencing backwards, it's Exodus. If they're referencing forward, forward it's is Christ. Christ. Yeah, fair enough. Right. So, but in the Christian sense, in the mm-hmm. New Testament sense, it's Christ goes down and mm-hmm. is revealed. Yeah. He's uncovered. Right, who he is, mm-hmm. he uncovers the father, uh, reveals the father. Um, who he is unified with man, mm-hmm. he unifies himself with Ruth. Boaz unifies himself with Ruth. He ascends mm-hmm. to the place where the father gives him his kingdom. Yeah, that he has purchased. Mm-hmm. Right, he has purchased Ruth. Yeah, and now her descendants, mm-hmm. who are considered not alive ones, yeah, by the root of the word, mm-hmm. not yet alive. Will be alive, mm-hmm. will be raised up, okay, resurrected, so that they may have a place within the people and within the kingdom. I think I get it. I think I got it. Yeah, I, I like. Okay. I I understand what you're saying, but there is an it's just a love story amount of like nuance. In Absolutely, the, like you're drawing a lot from alternate text. definitions. Yeah, um, from textual, I would say textual criticism, but maybe that's not quite the term for it. Translational criticism, I, possibly. I don't even oh. think that that's the, um, the story of Ruth is about the kingdom of Israel. Okay. So you're saying to overlay it to modern. Yes. I, right. I, I get that. Yeah. So then let me, let me move this to a, a little bit of a different spot. We're not going to be talking about this for mm-hmm. too much longer, but I do want to ask you this, uh, beforehand. Um, if you were to preach Ruth the Sunday, yeah. what do you think the main takeaway you would want for that sermon to be? Um, you have to talk about it in the old Testament sense. Yeah. So you have to go, this is God talking about his kingdom, but everything God does with his kingdom mm-hmm. moves to Christ and the church. Yeah. It's indicative of God's action through. I mean, it's the furthering the of the relationship. Yeah. Because Gentiles are brought into the kingdom. Yeah. Just like Ruth is brought into the kingdom. Yeah. Right. This is also foreshadowing the brought the bringing in of Gentiles into the kingdom of God, because okay. she said so that she may not be cut off mm-hmm. from the people and the kingdom. Yeah. What did she say at the beginning of the story to Naomi? Yeah, that your God is my God. Your God is my God, and your people are my people. Yes. 
So right. now she is not cut off by the the kingdom the, of God or, or the, people. the people of God. Yeah, no, right. That's good. So, um, right. So and it so, is the bookends of the story. I, yeah, I definitely understand that. And um, so, but it's that it's that. So you have to present. Well, what is the text saying? It's saying that God, His relationship with His kingdom. Yeah. Right. It's a love story, and it's about the form David. It's about David being crowned and God doing yeah, that behind even the scenes. We talked about the last part yet, but um, absolutely. Let's actually let's just uh, bookend this this bad boy. Um, yeah. Before we we get into absolutely. Our, our do you want to read the, thoughts and Do you want to read that last part um, with yeah, uh, sure. the boy himself? <laughs> the boy himself. As Ruth four eighteen and onwards. Um, now these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered. Aminadab. Aminadab. Aminadab fathered uh, Nahashan, and Nahashan fathered Salmon. (laughs) No, um, maybe just Salmon, yeah. Salmon fathered Boaz, Boaz fathered Obed, Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered David. Yep. And and David um, is the David you're thinking of. Mm -hmm. King David. Which is the King David, Mm -hmm. um, which is super interesting that the one who wanted the kingdom of God to be part of the kingdom of God ultimately became one of the founders of the kingdom of God. Yes. That being um, the Davidic kingdom. Yeah. Which and is kind of as good as the, as the, as the kingdom gets. Yeah. Right? And David ends up being um, the Messiah figure. Yeah. Just messianic symbolism yeah. out the wazoo. Yeah. Just crazy. Um, but again, right. Mm-hmm. There is, and then David is obviously the messianic figure, which brings in Christ. Yes. Um, and again, but, when we say references this, references that, it's yeah. ultimately just turning into a typology. Yeah. Um, and so you have to think be, about it this way. Mm-hmm. Ruth has three levels of uh, presentation by the author, so to speak. Three? It's almost like you're going to preach this. I know. Um, <laughs> there's three levels of abstraction, so to speak. Oh, interesting. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, the first level is, this is because I believe the author is Samuel. Yeah. The next book is Samuel. Um, the Oh, you, wait, you say Samuel wrote Ruth? The, there, there is a lot of, because he was I, the, anyways, the, there's a huge connection between Ruth and the book of Samuel. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I.e. the same words, a lot of the same language is used. Okay. Um, but besides the author's point, mm-hmm. there is a relationship between this is God describing, this is describing how, God brings about a king, mm-hmm. uh, separate and unknown to the people of God mm-hmm. who are trying to get a king, i.e. Saul, yeah. to be king, mm-hmm. while God is saying, no, you don't want him as king. Yes. Right? And so, but what they read, what the book is telling you is that God was bringing about the king of Israel. Yeah. Because it points out that oh, this is propaganda David. propaganda for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Way before. Yeah they even thought about having a king yeah, um, and about how God provides Israel with a provider, mm-hmm. a king um, bef- with, with his sovereign action through time. Yes. Right. And so that's, mm-hmm. that's level one yeah. of Ruth, Ruth, the book of Ruth. Yeah. The production of a king. Mm-hmm. Second level is that old Testament sense of this is God's relationship with Israel yeah. as he has purchased her from uh, Egypt yeah. at the threshing floor mm-hmm. where God has separated the sheep and the goats. Yeah. He's saying, don't turn away. Come back to me. This yeah. is the only field you'll ever need. 
right? Um, he has right to her. Yeah. Um, even though, uh, she was with the Egyptians. Yeah. Right. She is the Egyptians. Uh, the Egyptian have the right to redeem her, but yeah. he has purchased her yeah. and taken her, uh, and washed her by the Exodus. Okay. Um, and anointed her as her, as his priests mm-hmm. and given her new clothing. Yeah. Um, and so you've got that. Yeah. But then because of the new Testament and progressive revelation yes. and Christ imagery being the continuation of kingdom imagery. Yeah. This is Christ and us. So I'm going to summarize into three bullet yeah. points. What I think you can take away mm-hmm. based off of what you've just said. Yeah. Is that God provides a King. God yep. provides a provider. And God provides Christ. Yes. Or God provides a Messiah, I guess you yeah. could say. Because then that would continue into yeah. the David metaphor a little easier. Yeah. A um, kingdom and a king. A kingdom, a king, and a provider. A kingdom and a king. And those two are in Christ. Yeah. 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 Okay. No, that, that would be a pretty bang-on sermon, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, anyone who's listened this far on the podcast would probably be able to write. Yeah. And so <laughs> did the author even attend the Christ imagery in there? Absolutely not. Caleb would be mad at me if I said yes. Okay, no, I think you can God still would. say, depends what you mean by intends Christ imagery, because I think they intend Messiah imagery. Yes. And then Christ is, is Messiah. So What I mean is the like death and resurrection point, the raising up of the dead ones. The I don't think you could say the, the yeah. resurrection of the dead via a man God. Yeah, okay, like, fair enough. Yeah. Like, no, it definitely wasn't complete revelation to Ruth. It'd be yeah. pretty wild if like the gospels lined up perfectly yeah. with Ruth, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, what's also interesting is that Oh, never mind. Never mind. Um Yeah. So there's a there's there's two beautiful images. Mm-hmm. A call of repentance to the Gentile. Yeah. Right? Don't go away, come back. Yeah. Right? And then also not only is it coming back to dwell with God. Yeah. Right? It's mm-hmm. To be in that intimate relationship of marriage, yeah. that covenant relationship mm-hmm. in which you, rev- you, upon being revealed, upon having God revealed himself to you, yeah. you enter covenant relationship with him. Yeah. When Boaz reveals himself, like when he is revealed, mm-hmm. right, to her more thoroughly, she marries him. Okay, so... <laughs> To have a covenant with Christ is to be unified with Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and to see him for who he and is. And what that looks like is coming into um, an intimate relationship with him, mm-hmm. which would be the image of the bride of Christ, yeah. which is the Last Supper, which means there is something eschatological to Ruth. Absolutely. I think I think we hit all the notes. I think we um, did. And and I, I don't know that for sure because we were missing Caleb and Colton. <laughs> and sometimes even if they're the wrong notes they'll hit different notes um <laughs> did did you just bash our friends live oh dude I, I, every time they're not here i'll roast them <laughs> <laughs> no um Caleb does very good at keeping us on track and yeah. we need that because as we mentioned at the beginning of this episode we get off track a lot maybe the most <laughs> <laughs> yeah know, i've got a little, and we need that boy a little bit of squirrel brain going yeah. on that uh can turn into some wild tangents. Absolutely. Um, are you good if I close down the episode a little bit? Try and summarize and Dude, get out of here? I'm totally okay with you closing cool, the episode cool, down. Cool, Well, 
This has been the Second Rate Saints podcast and our take on uh, Ruth. If you've got any alternate opinions on Ruth, um, we wouldn't love to be wrong, but we would love to tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> we would love the truth to be promoted. <laughs> the truth, the truth is promoted, but dissenters are welcome. <laughs> So if you want to hop in that comment section and use some exclamation points, I would love to hear from you. <laughs> um, that's not really a challenge. Uh, Tell I, us I've about really it. enjoyed some of the comments that we've been getting lately. Very thoughtful. Um, like crazy well articulated. I was not convinced YouTube comments could be well articulate until I started interacting with the second rate saints community, <laughs> which is, which is pretty awesome. So I it's think us hope. I'm, I'm kind of like a little, I'm, I'm a little prideful of the, the community that we've uh, been able to interact with online. Um, just because it does show that maybe Christians can be, nice online which is which is super nice true um again if you want to check out all the things that we've been doing lately uh secondratesaints.com our youtube channel and uh our instagram yeah we've kind of slacked off the shorts lately um but uh you know it's summertime everyone's busy and and we're no different so um if that's something that you miss let us know um if there's something else you'd like to see come out of second rate saints I, I can't say Second Rate Saints Productions because it's not like we produce more than one thing. No, we're just five guys doing a thing. Yeah, five guys, um, theology and fries. You know, that was My that gosh. was one of the podcast names that wasn't chosen. Okay, you know what? I'm gonna air out some of my dirty laundry now that Caleb and Colt are here. I wasn't there when we chose the name. Uh, it was Stuart that came up with it. Yeah. Yeah. And and where's he? You know. <laughs> Why can't it be Five Guys Theologies and Fries? <laughs> Why? Said, I'm going to veto that. You know what? I'm starting to... I'm, I'm schism in this podcast. <laughs> what? Do you, do you just... We should just end it though, right? No. No, I'm going to talk about this some more. Josh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, let's just end it. <laughs>